Good morning, Church at the Mill. It is great to see you, whether you're here in person or worshiping online, it is an honor to be with you today. I, I come from uh, Charleston Southern, as you have heard, and I've come really for a couple of different messages. The first one is to say thank you. Thank you as faithful South Carolina Baptist for your faithful giving to the cooperative program because of your gifts and that uh, as pooled with other Southern Baptists across the state. There are students at Charleston Southern who have the opportunity to hear the gospel and to be trained by Christian professors who are in every classroom understand that whatever the discipline, that all truth is God's truth, and they teach with that in mind. And so I've come to say thank you. I've also come to say happy Independence Day. What a great day this is. And I, I'm not talking about the 4th of July kind of Independence Day. I'm talking about the fact that this is Sunday, and you gather on every Sunday, because every Sunday is an Independence Day for those of you who believe in Jesus Christ, because you know that every Sunday you come and you understand without equivocation that the Lord Jesus Christ has forgiven you of your sins. Because of what he's done for us in Jesus Christ, we can be free. I've come today to tell you as well that for God and country, freedom isn't free. And if you walk out of here today and you say, what, what was that guy talking about today? I want you to remember these words. Freedom isn't free. Never has been, never will be. We, we come today knowing that uh, we live in a country that is free relative to the rest of the world for sure. We live in a country that uh, our founding fathers and, and mothers, those, those 56 guys who got together who signed the Declaration of Independence 245 years ago today, they said in the preamble so that no one would be misunderstand who they were standing for, they said, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal and are endowed by their creator with inalienable rights, the right to life and liberty and the pursuit of happiness. And they go through a whole a string of grievances against the king. And when they get to the end, the very last line says in so many words that we are depending upon providence we're depending upon providence and together we uh, mutually pledge our lives our fortunes and our sacred honor Th they did that as politicians for you and me so that today 245 years uh, hence we can uh, sit here in freedom Th this isn't happening in this way in china today but we sit here in freedom because others have paid the price on our behalf. I, I, when I come to the 4th of July, I think about Independence Day of, of certainly. I, I, I recall Philippians 3.20, which reminds us that we are citizens of heaven for those of us who believe in Jesus Christ. But I also, uh, having worn this uniform for 36 years, I have to tell you I'm pretty proud to be an American. And today, all over the world, 
There are chaplains wearing all kinds of different uniforms, and they are preaching a simple gospel because the most important freedom you and I can have is not our political freedom, as dear as that is. The most important freedom that we get to have is the spiritual freedom that we have in Jesus Christ. When it comes to 4th of July, I always get just a little bit nostalgic. I go way back uh, to, to the day when your phone and your camera were different things. <laughs> I mean, I know that, 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 that takes you way back. For some of you, you're going, what are you talking about? Well, I, I, I go way back to the day when I had this little uh, Instamatic camera, and I would have to go to Eckerd Drugstore. Remember Eckerd? I'd have to go to Eckerd Drugstore, and I would go, and I'd have to pay money for something called film, F-I-L-M. Those of you who are under about 25, you can look it up on the Internet later. You'd have to go to the store, and you'd have to, 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 to pay a lot of money at the time for film. And you'd buy these little canisters that you'd put in the camera. Uh, and, 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 and when you did that, you'd, you'd close the thing up. And you knew in that moment that you only had 24 pictures that you could take. There was no such thing as a burst of photos. There was no such thing as handing somebody a camera and saying, would you take my picture? And them saying, I took four or five. Why did you take four or five? I just needed one. Now I'll have to delete four or five of these pictures. You'd, you'd, you'd buy the camera, you'd buy the film, and you would take your pictures, and you would take them very judiciously because you knew that after you had used up all 24 of these pictures, you then had to go back to Eckerd Drugstore. You had to take the canister out of the camera. You had to give it to a nice person on the other side of the counter, and you would come back. A week later, to get your pictures, and so you would come, and they would hand you the hand you the pictures, and you'd have to pay for these pictures with actual money, and you'd take this thing, and you'd you'd pull out all twenty four, and you'd look at the pictures, and thankfully there were there were occasions that if the picture wasn't quite what you thought, they would give you your money back. Here's five cents back for this picture. We don't have that today. What we have is this phone in my pocket, which also takes pictures. And the thing that I'm going to miss most about, and already do most about the, the good old days, as it were, were the physical pictures that emerged and were developed, because I don't have a lot of physical pictures anymore. What I have is a bunch of stuff on my phone. I don't even know how to get to sometimes. How do you organize it? How do you put them all together? I don't know. But back in the day, and sometimes even to this day, there'd be a family reunion, or maybe there'd be a funeral, and you'd, you'd come back after the funeral, and, and, and you would talk about the old times, and, and, and one story would lead to another, and at some point, inevitably, somebody would say, hey, 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 why don't you go and get the box? Well, everybody knew the box you were talking about. They, they, they would say, why don't you go and get the box? Well, well, the box they were talking about was a box of pictures, now, the, the, these weren't the ones that were put into, into photo albums. These were the special pictures. 
These were the ones that told the stories of our family and told the stories of our lives. And when somebody uh, told a story uh, about grandma or, or, or grandpa or, or cousin or, or uncle, they would pull out a picture and they would say, hey, do you remember this picture? And this picture would lead to story after story after story. Those are the days I miss because I, I, I don't have a box like this anymore, but I sure wish I did. I'll tell you something. When I come to days like the 4th of July, I think about a, a box of pictures in my mind. When I come to 4th of July, I, I think about a, a, a guy who trained me at the United States Air Force Academy, a guy named Ralph Sear. You remember Ralph. Ralph was an amazing guy. He, he was the nice one. He wasn't the guy who yelled at us. He was the nice one. And I remember I think about Ralph because uh, not long after he graduated, uh, he was killed in an F-16 cra crash. He's one of the pictures in my box on Independence Day. I think about Mark McCarthy. You will remember Mark McCarthy. Mark McCarthy, God bless him, was the mean one. He was the one whose the, the veins would pop out of his neck. And at the moment, I did not fully appreciate what Mark McCarthy was doing. I learned later that Mark McCarthy was a strong believer in Jesus Christ. His dad would become a four-star general. Uh, and, and he was doing that to me, but he was really doing it for me. And I have often thought about Mark McCarthy because the, the man I am today is in no small part due to what Mark McCarthy did for me. I think about Mark McCarthy on this day because uh, Mark McCarthy in 1995 was, was killed in a training accident flying an F-16. In this box is the, uh, is the day that I was the on-call chaplain when the, the very first uh, airman was killed in Iraq and I got the phone call and we had to get with the with the doctor and the commander and put this uniform on this very uniform on and go to the doorstep of the widow of Scott Sather and for the next uh, several days, as, as she and, 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 and her family and, and his unit members began to grapple with what that death means, I, I think about Scott Sather today. And I'm reminded at every picture in this precious box, I'm reminded that freedom isn't free. Because these men and women whom I have had the privilege of serving with for nearly four decades, all of them, whether they served for a long time or a short time, they all agreed at the beginning to pledge their own lives, their own fortunes, and their own sacred honor so that you and me could live free. Now, I've been retired for three years 
two things should come to mind for you. Wow, after three years, he still fits in his uniform. I may not be back here at five, but at three, it still fits. And people ask me sometimes, what do you most miss about being part of the U.S. military, the thing I most miss is being around men and women who, without any doubt, raised their right hands and said, I am going to do this so that others could be free. I'm reminded that freedom isn't free. Cool thing is, there's another box. This one's a book. And in this book are pictures, pictures of a freedom fighter who came from heaven, who deployed from heaven, who packed his bags for 33 years and and came to this earth and lived a perfect and sinless life and did whatever it took so that you and I could be free. I think of one of the pictures in this book is in Luke chapter 4, and you, you remember the story because uh, Jesus has, has been commissioned by his father, and his father has said, well done. This is my son in whom I am well pleased. And then he goes through a period of basic training in the desert, in the wilderness where he's For 40 days, he's tempted. And then he goes back home to preach what was, in in fact, his first sermon. Now, I have gone home to preach my first sermon before, uh, and, and I will tell you that this fact is true. A prophet is without honor in his own hometown. Because when the prophet comes back, having finished seminary and all that other stuff, Mrs. Jones comes up to you and she pinches your cheek uh, and she says, I remember when I changed your diaper. And she says that right before you go up to preach. I, I can't imagine that something like that might have happened when Jesus went home to preach his first sermon. And he goes home, and there's Mrs. Jones and, and, and Mr. Smith, and they're pinching his cheek, and they're, they're, they're patting him on the, on the backside, and he's, he's thinking, how weird is this? But then he gets up, uh, and the Bible says in Luke chapter 4 that he is handed uh, the scroll, meaning he's handed the Scripture reading for the day, and he reads a passage from Isaiah chapter 61, and part of that passage says that, uh, it says, I have come to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and to release the captives. And at the end of that passage, before he sits down, Jesus says, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. You see, Jesus Christ was the very first freedom fighter. Now, this, this book is filled with all kinds of pictures. You know, we, we could go to the, just to the book of John, for instance. And if we go to the book of John, uh, in the very first chapter, the very first verse, we hear these words. 
In the beginning was the Word, speaking of Jesus, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. In other words, Jesus was uh, doing just fine right where he was. He had everything that he needed. He was in the lap of luxury. Uh, He was in heaven with the Father, and he didn't have to come down. But thank God, uh, the verse doesn't stop there. The passage doesn't stop there. It goes to verse 14, which says this, The Word became flesh, thank God, and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. This Jesus raised his right hand and was commissioned to come to make us free. You go through this, this Bible, uh, John the Baptist is also in, in the first chapter. Uh, and when John the Baptist sees his cousin Jesus, he says, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. In other words, behold, you want to see a freedom fighter? There he is. Jesus Christ was the first freedom fighter. We could go through this whole book. Uh, Jesus changes water. I'm a Baptist, and and so I read it. He changes it into very fine Welch's grape juice. (laughs) That's how I have to read it. Otherwise, my granny would be very upset with me. I see other pictures here in in John chapter 3 when Nicodemus, uh, who is beginning to to, to wonder, is Jesus real? And Nicodemus, because he's scared of all of his friends, hey, have you ever been in a place where you've been scared of what your friends might think of you when you you considered coming to Christ? Well, uh, it happens to all of us. Nicodemus uh, comes to Jesus uh, at night. And they have a conversation. uh, And Jesus talks to him about what it means to be born Again, you're you're born the first time in a physical way, but what's most important is not your physical birth. What's most important is your spiritual birth. When you understand that you're a sinner in need of a Savior uh, and that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except by him because freedom isn't free. Jesus is the one who provides it. You keep going, and uh, he heals uh, uh, he talks with a Samaritan woman at the well. well. Well, you know, in the middle of the daytime, well, brothers and sisters, you just didn't do that. Here Jesus was a Jew, and here was a lady who was a Samaritan. I, I mean, she didn't worship in the right way. She didn't worship in the right place. She was the, 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 the wrong ethnicity, but there Jesus was talking to her in what would have been a scandalous opportunity. Why did he do that? Because he wanted her to be free. And he talked to the Samaritan woman, and he says to her that she too, like you, can be free. We could keep going. Uh, in, in, John chapter five, in John chapter 4 at the end, he heals a government official's son. And because of that, the government official believes because he saw that if his son could be relieved of physical maladies, then certainly Jesus had the power to relieve uh, spiritual maladies. And yes, he does. He then uh, heals a fellow 
who'd been an invalid uh, at a poolside for 38 years, a kind of a hocus-pocus pool. Uh, and, and as the water moved, uh, if you got into the, or so it was told, if you got into the water quick enough, you'd be healed. Well, there was nobody uh, uh, to, 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 to take him into the pool. And Jesus said in so many words, you don't need the pool. You need me. And he healed that invalid on the spot by saying, rise up and walk. What Jesus does in the physical realm, he does in the spiritual realm as well. Rise up and walk. In chapter 6, I see a picture here of him feeding the 5,000. Later, he would use this picture uh, to, to, to talk to his own disciples about what it means to be the bread of life. And then we come to John chapter 8. All these pictures in this box. We come to John chapter 8, verse 1. But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. At dawn, he appeared again in the temple courts where all the people gathered around him, and he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. Have you ever wondered how they came to catch her? What were they doing that would have her to be caught in adultery. Or, or, or maybe one of them had been responsible for her committing adultery. And if you think to yourself, what is the worst possible sin that I could ever commit, what would it be for you? What would it be? Maybe it's adultery. Maybe it's something else. But but it doesn't matter what it is because whatever it is, Jesus says to you, you can be free from that. You can be free from that sin and its guilt and its penalty and its punishment if you trust in me for your salvation. Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now, what do you say? That's an amazing question right there. Because these guys have come to trap Jesus because they think that Jesus is going to be just as legalistic as they are. So they say to Jesus, now what do you say now? Let's go back to the sin in your own mind right now. You know that, you know that sin that maybe you've already committed that sin. Don't you wonder what Jesus would say to you? You are bound in that sin. You are bound in a lifetime of sinfulness. You are bound to the guilt and the shame and the disappointment and the regret. You are bound by all of that. And, and people bring you to Jesus. Uh, and they say, what do you say, Jesus? Let me tell you about the freedom fighter. They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. 
of what? But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. Imagine he's surrounded by those he'd just been teaching and right in the middle of his small group, they drag in this lady who'd been caught in sin. And so Jesus, without hesitating even for a moment, he bends down and starts to write in the ground. Have you ever wondered what he was writing? I have. I think what he was writing as he bent there on the ground and, and, and wrote uh, uh, in the dirt, I think what he was writing was the individual sins of all those who had brought in the woman caught in adultery. You know, because those of us who are sinners, and that's all of us in this room today, because those of us who, who are sinners, uh, we think that uh, nobody knows about our secret sins. And while you might be able to hide those sins from somebody, even those closest to you, you're never going to hide those sins from the Lord Jesus Christ. And so in my telling of the story in my own mind, the picture in the box in my mind, is that Jesus is kneeling on the ground and he's writing out the specific sins of each of those who have brought this woman caught in adultery. Why do I think that? When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, if any of you is without sin, let him be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. And so I, in, in my mind, uh, he's written the sins of this guy and this guy and this guy. Uh, and, and then he's about to get to this guy. At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time. Well, I think that's exactly what I would have done if Jesus had begun to write my sins in the dirt in front of all my friends. The older ones first until only Jesus was left. Have you ever wondered why the older ones left first? Well, if you have gray hair or no hair, you already know. Because what you know is that the older you get, the less sure you are of yourself. You know, you remember back when you were young and you were sure of everything. You had all the right theological answers. You, you remember those days, and as you get older and older and older, uh, you begin to have even different questions than you did before. But the one thing that you are certainly sure of is that you are a sinner. And that even though you have been brought to faith in Jesus Christ because of what he has done, because freedom isn't free, you know how far you have to go to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. 
At this time, those who heard began to go away one at a time, the older ones first, until only Jesus was left, with the woman still standing there. Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you. Jesus declared, go now and leave your life of sin. Isn't that just the most amazing story that you've ever heard? Because don't you see yourself in the woman caught in adultery? Oh, oh, adultery may not be your sin, but maybe it's gossip. Or maybe it's divisiveness. Or maybe it's something else. Uh, or maybe you see yourself um, in those holier-than-thou dudes who, who brought this sinful woman uh, into the small group. And to all of these, Jesus says, go and sin no more. Freedom isn't free. And I love what somebody said about freedom, especially the kind of freedom that we need if we are still bound in our sins. What he told Nicodemus is the, is the, the key that takes care of the lock. When Nicodemus had come to him at night, the Bible says for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever believes in him would never perish but have everlasting life. I love what somebody said when they said, when you're bound in this way, you can't pick the lock yourself. Fortunately for all of us, Jesus is the key. And say down to verse 31 of chapter 8. To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. You see, brothers and sisters today, a politics as important as they are cannot set you free. And today we will wave the flag, but we won't worship it. Today we will pat the backs of soldiers and sailors, but we will praise only the Savior and the Spirit of God who has given us this new life. They answered him, we are Abraham's descendants. In other words, buddy, don't you know who we are? Don't you know that we were born into freedom? I could read it this way. The church at the mill answered him, We are American citizens. Don't you know that by virtue of being born in America, because America is a Christian nation, don't you know by virtue of, of those facts that by definition, uh, I'm a Christian, and I say that Jesus gives the same answer to, to those who would say that as he did to these guys. They answered him, we are Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? 
Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. Everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Brothers and sisters, today the message is simple. Freedom isn't free. And the Bible makes it very plain to all of us that those of us who are believers have been commissioned to go and tell those who are not yet free how they can be free. Freedom isn't free, and part of the price that has to be paid according to the Lord Jesus Christ is that he has done all the saving and all the freeing, and our job is to go and do the telling. When you become an officer in the U.S. military, which is going to happen soon for you, cousin, you take an oath, and you raise your right hand, and you say, I, Dondi Coston, do solemnly swear that I will support and defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic that I will bear true faith and allegiance to the same, that I take this obligation freely without any mental reservation or purpose of evasion, and that I will well and faithfully discharge the duties of the office upon which I'm about to enter. And it's a prayer because it ends in this way. So help me, God. The most important thing about a commission that you take is that you can't commission yourself. Some authority has to commission you. The last picture in the box is Jesus. In Matthew 28, verses 17 to 20, Jesus commissions you. And he says, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, Jesus says of himself. Therefore, you go into all the world. Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to observe everything I've commanded you. And lo, I will be with you always to the very end of the age. You see, brothers and sisters today, we, we as American citizens get to celebrate two awesome Independence Days today. We celebrate the fact that others, even in this moment, are paying the price. They are standing watch, thank God. And anytime I see a, a soldier, a sailor, an airman, a, a Marine, or a Coast Guard person, and now the Space Force called Guardians, anytime I see one of them, I go up to them and, and do like you have done to me today. Thank you for your service. But I'll go a little bit farther. I say, I retired three years ago, and I handed you the baton, and I have not a single time worried about my freedom since, because I know that you are standing watch. You are doing what only you can do. Thank you for your service so that I can sleep at night in freedom.
freedom isn't free. But it's the most freeing thing you will ever experience. And so today, maybe this is your Independence Day. Maybe you have come to this place today and you understood that Jesus Christ uh, is the Savior and that you're a sinner in need of a Savior, that he's come and lived a perfect and sinless life and gave his life as a sacrifice on the cross uh, for your sins and for mine, and that all you have to do is accept that gift of freedom, that he has freely paid the price for you. Freedom isn't free. But it's the most freeing thing you will ever experience. Let's pray together as we close. Heavenly Father, we come today to a time of prayer thanking you for those men and women today who are standing watch, who are standing in the gap, who are doing things that we don't have to do today so we can go to the lake and worship in freedom uh, and eat hot dogs later and watch fireworks while they stand watch for us and that we know that because they are paying the price, we don't have to. God, today, we are mostly here thanking you for Jesus Christ. And I pray today that if there's even one person either online or in this room today who have never understood what it means to be freed of sin and guilt and shame, that today they would uh, find someone who can, one of the pastors of this church, who can explain to them in even clearer detail that all they have to do is repent of their sins, turn away from those and, and run toward you, the ultimate freedom fighter, God. And I pray that today that would happen because of what you have done for us in Jesus Christ. We pray this in his precious and glorious name. Amen.